You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning, East Point Church. How are we today? Good. Go ahead and find your seats. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Daniel. I'm uh, one of the pastors here on staff, and I get the opportunity this morning to preach, and I am just so excited. We have been in our Grow series. Who has been enjoying the Grow series so far? Well, today is actually the last message on our Grow series. See, we've been going through our seven discipleship values uh, as a church, and we've been exploring, well, what does the Bible have to say about these values? And the first one that we started off with was prioritizing scripture. And we did some like passing on the faith as, as Pastor Ronnie was talking today, just about taking students to RBR and, uh, and seeing them grow and have these, um, these dedicated times where they can imp- encounter the presence of the Lord together. Right? That's helping pass on the faith. And today we're going to be talking about depending on God in prayer. These are the bookends of this series, Scripture and Prayer. They aren't the marks of maturity, but they are the means of maturity. You see, when we spend time in God's Word, we're transformed by God's Word. When we spend time in prayer, uh, we, God speaks to us, right? God uses Scripture. He uses prayer to mature us. So I'm excited because we are going to learn about depending on God. And have you ever depended, so I want to start by saying, have you ever depended on someone that didn't come through for you? Yeah? Can I see some hands there? Maybe you're like, oh man, it's the person next to me, so I don't want to raise it too high. (laughs) Yeah, I want to tell you a story of there was a time when I depended on someone who didn't come through for me and it scarred me for life, okay? I was like seven or eight years old and I was introduced to group projects, okay? So yeah, I hear some laughter here because you either love group projects or you hate group projects, okay? If you love them, it's because you know that you got paired up with someone who's really, really smart and you know they're going to do a good job and you're going to get a great grade. And then you don't enjoy group projects if you know you're going to end up having to do all the work, okay? So when I was eight years old, first group project me and this other guy, who actually became my best friend in high school, which is cool. Um, but we got paired together to make a comic strip together, all right? So, so there was some artistic design that had to go in place. We had to come up with our own cartoon and comic and have the words and a storyline. So it was a really cool project. And I remember we talked about it at school. We're like, we're going to get together this weekend, and we're going to work on this project together. And, uh, you know, now being the age that I am currently— I'm 30 years old, and I look back and I'm like, hmm, you know, eight-year-olds communicating to each other, probably, definitely, there was some, some miscommunication there. So I get home, and the weekend comes around, and I'm excited. I'm like, all right, Saturday, we're going to get together. We're going to work on this project. So I give him a call, and then there's no answer. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe his, maybe his family, maybe they're eating breakfast or they're getting ready for the day. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll call back in a little bit. I'll wait a few hours, and then I call again, and then still goes right to voicemail. 
And I'm like, okay, I'm getting a little stressed here because it's, you know, it's almost, it's almost noon and, you know, we, we have a lot of work that we need to do. And, and tomorrow's Sunday. I, I got church, you know, so, so I can't even do anything on Sunday. So I'm like, all right, I'll, call, I'll, wait, I'll wait a little bit. I'll call him again. Call him back two hours later. And again, I hit the voicemail. And then I start panicking. Because in that moment, I'm like, I have this big, I have this load of work that needs to be done. And my partner who I'm depending on, is not answering the phone. And this is before cell phones, so you couldn't text, hey, bro, where are you at, right? So, so anyways, I'm not proud of this moment, but I left a voicemail finally, and I was bawling my eyes out on the phone. I'm like, hey, man, uh, I know we talked about getting together for the project, and I, 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 you know, I tried calling and seeing where you're at. Like, are we still getting together? And I made, like, a, a fool of myself on the phone, and we still talk about it to this day. He still laughs at me for it. Um, but anyways, thank God uh, that for my sister. But we ended up working on the project together, and I ended up doing all the work. Right? So not a big fan of group projects in school. I ended up doing all the work, but he also ended up doing all the work. So anyways, but I was depending on him, and he let me down. And I know that's like a little funny, cute story, but right? We have stories. We have things in our lives, right, where we're depending on people for stuff that really hurt. And when they don't follow through, it really hurts. Maybe you're depending on someone for, for love, affection, Maybe it's for provision, and they're not coming through for you. These are things that shape us. These are things that, that, that mark us. And what the world wants us to take from those experiences, the world says, all right, you're learning from this experience that you can't depend on anyone. The only person you can truly depend on is yourself. But how many of you know that you yourselves, you're not even dependable, right? I'm not dependable. I know that. So, so what does that mean for us? Is there no hope? Can we truly not depend on anyone? I invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, where Jesus, he shares about the one who is dependable, right? We learn in this passage of Scripture that there is one who is dependable. And who is it? It's Jesus himself. So here's the goal for this morning. John 15, I hope, will answer how we depend on God in prayer, how we do that, but also why. Why can we depend on God in prayer? So we're going to read through verses 1 through 11 together. And before we jump in, I want to give us a little bit of context because Jesus is is doing a series of teachings with his disciples. And this is right before he gets arrested and crucified. So these are kind of like Jesus' last words. Are you ready to listen in on the conversation? Let's go. Starting in verse 1 of John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So we start off this passage of scripture talking about a vine and a vine dresser. So who is the vine? Well, Jesus tells us right off the bat, I am the true vine, right? And this is important. Jesus starts off by calling himself the true vine, not just any vine, friends, but the true one. And this statement is the last part of the seven I am statements. So in the book of John, if you were to read this, you will notice that there are seven times Jesus specifically says, I am, boom, boom. I am this. I am that. And this passage here, where Jesus talks about himself being the vine, is the last one of those statements. The first time he talks about I am, he, it's in John 6.35, where he says, I am the bread of life. John 8, 12 is a second. I am the light of the world. John 10, 7. I am the door of the sheep or the gate. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then finally, John 15, 1. I am the true vine. Now, to a Jewish person listening to this, This is not just some random imagery. Jesus wasn't just like, well, this sounds good today, so I'll I'll slip that in there. I'm the bread of life, yeah. No, he's pulling imagery from the Old Testament that will really get a Jewish person to know where he's going so that they stop and are like, well, this guy's talking about something important. We better listen up. So in the Old Testament, the vine is represented as the covenant people of God, Israel. And the vine lived in God's vineyard. Isn't that nice? The vine lived in God's vineyard, which was the land that was promised to these people. They were planted and tended by God so that they would be fruitful to the surrounding nation, so that they would be fruitful, and then they would be witnesses to the surrounding nations, and the surrounding nations would be able to look to them and be like, oh yeah, there is a God, the one true God. So if you look in the beginning of your Bibles, when Israel is taken out of captivity, they're in 400 years of captivity in Egypt. God pulls them from Egypt and he says, I have a land that's promised to you. This is your land. So as they travel there, they get some, you know, they they get a little fearful because there's other people occupying that land and they doubt God. They're like, God, are you sure that this is the land that you promised us? Because I ain't so sure. And because of their doubt, they end up wandering in the desert for 40 years. And then finally, they move into the promised land and they conquer that land. And that is the vineyard that we're talking about here. God says, this is the land that I have promised for you. And you will be the vine that grows there. But here's the thing. If you read through the Old Testament, you begin to realize that this vine is not really a healthy vine. See, let's look at Isaiah chapter 5, for example. It says this, let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. 
He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. Right? So we see here, it's this picture that God has prepared his vineyard for his people. Right? He said that I dug out and cleared out all the stones. I planted it. God's saying, I'm doing all the work here. I'm preparing it. You just got to go and be in it. He says, I've done everything for you, but... But notice something. He says, when I came to look, right, what more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? You see, wild grapes wasn't something that you used in wine, unless you never wanted anybody to come to your house ever again, okay? But see, God was saying, I'm looking for the choice grapes. I've prepared everything for you. Why are you not being fruitful? Why is the fruit that is producing not good fruit? So what Jesus is saying here, the reason why he's talking about a vine, what he's saying is that Israel, the people of Israel, are no longer going to be represented as the vine. But instead, Jesus would take their place. There's a new vine in town, friends. And if Jesus is the vine, well, let's keep talking about this. Who is the vine dresser? I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So we see God the Father, he was the one who was the vine dresser for the Israelites. He prepared the way, did all things like that. And he continues to do that here with Jesus. He continues to do that. He continues to make sure that the vine is nice and healthy. And how does he do that? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the vine dresser takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So to become better acquainted with this passage, I did a little research and pulled up a job description about vine dressers. So it's still a thing today, yeah. So here's the overall goal for the vine dresser or viticulturist. Vine dressers are agricultural specialists who oversee the propagation, planting, pruning, and tending of grapevines in a vineyard. Their goal is to optimize the quality and abundance of grapes used in wine and food products. So in verse 2, we see that the vine dresser is focused on removing the branches that don't bear fruit and pruning those branches that are fruitful so that what? They could become even more fruitful. So I don't know how many of you have done this, but during the lockdowns of COVID, how many of you have picked up any new hobbies? Can I see anyone picked up any new hobbies? A few of us? Okay, cool. So I really got into baking during, uh, during COVID lockdowns, which I think a number of, of people in America did as well, because every time you went to the grocery store, there was no yeast whatsoever. So couldn't bake any bread, any bread. But anyways, my wife actually got into plants. And yes, plants are are a hobby, okay, if you did not know that. It it was interesting because Home Depot was one of the only places that was allowed to be open during time. And I'm sure on the shore, Lowe's was one of the only places. So what we would do, we would kind of have like a little date day and we would go to Home Depot once a week. And we would go and we would look at all the plants that were there because my wife said, if we can't go out well, I'm going to bring the outside inside. So we started buying plants. And we would buy like two or three plants at a time, all right? 
And I would be like, are you sure we need that? She was like, yes, we need it. We need it. So our, our, our apartment was like the, the freshest and, and cleanest apartment ever because of just what plants give off, right? The, they purify the air and all that stuff. So it was great. It was like we lived in the Amazon. And, uh, and what she ended up doing with the plants that we got, she created this Excel spreadsheet where she had every single plant listed and everything that they needed to survive and thrive. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you're amazing. So it was like this plant needs to be in between 55 and 75 degrees uh, Fahrenheit in order to thrive. Okay, cool. And it also needs indirect sunlight. This plant needs direct sunlight. This plant needs to be watered every other week. This plant needs to be watered every two days. Okay, you got all of that? Great. And as these plants began to, began to thrive and flourish, there came a season where some of them needed to be repotted and also some of them needed pruning. And pruning, I always thought, was something really interesting. It's an interesting concept, right? Because you are, you're literally, you're, it seems counterintuitive to cut away something that's already growing, but in pruning, by pruning a plant, you're actually helping it grow more. Pruning helps maintain plant health, control plant growth, and to encourage flower and fruit production. So Kayla started pruning these plants, and in my head, I'm like, are you, are you sure you're supposed to cut that? Like, are you sure? And then a few days later, it was like, it looked like 10 times better. I was like, oh, okay, this is why I'm not a plant person. And then, and then the, also, you would see some areas where there was new growth. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. And that's what God the Father does. He prunes. He prunes the vine to keep it healthy and to help the branches become more fruitful. He's not just satisfied with good enough. No, he's like, I'm going to make this the best looking vine. A vine that's going to thrive, that's going to be healthy. And that's why he chose his son. You see, the, you see what we see here in these two verses, something that I think we could take away, is understanding God the Father as the vine dresser, we see that he's intentional. We see that he's thoughtful and he desires to see things grow and remain healthy. He replaces the old vine, Israel, who was undependable with his very own son. You see, in the Old Testament, that was also, could be said, you can also call that the old covenant, right? God had a covenant with his people, Israel. And now he's getting ready to establish something new. And that's what we see in these first two verses, is that the vine dresser establishes a new covenant through Jesus, where salvation is not dependent on a place to go to, to physically be in, but it's on a person. And who better than the dependable one, Jesus? So what happens to Israel? Right? We, we need to understand that the imagery of the vineyard and the vine is sacred to these people. So when the disciples are hearing this, they're like, okay, Jesus, like, I'm tracking with you, but like, what happens to us? Do we just get thrown out? Like, are we no longer in the vineyard? Have we been, are we, are we done for? But what Jesus is saying is now that there's only one vine that is growing. And in these next few verses, we're going to understand what happens to, to Israel? And also, what does this mean for you and, you and I? What happens to us who are not Jewish, who, who, who are not part of the people, who are, not, who are not Israelites? Well, let's keep reading. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. 
Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So right off the bat, we get the answers to our questions. The branches are those who are connected to Jesus, right? I'm the vine and you are the branches. It is no longer those who abide and remain in a physical location that are the vine, but it's those who are the vine and are in God's vineyard, but it is those who abide in the true vine, Jesus Christ. So what does abiding look like, friends? What does it look like to abide in Jesus? Well, verse 3 helps us, helps us understand a little bit, helps us understand that point a little bit more. Jesus says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And that kind of seems random, right? We're talking about vines, vine dressers, branches, and then Jesus all of a sudden is like, hey, already you are clean. It's like, okay. But let me show you how verse 2 and verse 3 are connected. Verse 2 ends with the vine dresser pruning the fruitful branches. And the Greek word for pruning is kathire. And then we see in verse 3, Jesus uses the word clean. And the Greek word for clean is katharoi. So the words for pruning and cleansing, they're in the same family. So when Jesus is talking about pruning, and then he's talking about cleansing by the word of God, he's talking about the same thing there. And I feel like the D.A. Carson, he has this quote that I really think helps us understand this verse. He says this, The cleansing power of the word of the word Jesus has spoken to his disciples then is equivalent to the life of the vine pulsating through the branches. Jesus' word is not assigned magical power. What is meant, rather, is that Jesus is teaching in its entirety, including what he is and what he does, has already taken hold in the life of these followers. So we learn here that those who abide are those whose lives have been taken hold by Christ's teaching and word. It is those who stake their lives on the person of Jesus. It is those who allow God's word and truth to prune them. Jesus is in his final moments with his disciples. They have walked with him for three and a half years. They have seen Jesus perform miracles. They have, they have heard him speak, speak these truths and these things that are just like so in-depth. Right? We've been going through our Mark series where we get a glimpse as what life may have been like for the disciples following Jesus. But then there came a point where God kind of kicked them out of the bird's nest and it was like, all right, I'm also going to give you authority to pray for people to be healed and to cast out demons. And I'm going to give you authority to speak about the kingdom of God that is coming. All that time that they spent with Jesus, Jesus was pruning them. Jesus' words, his teachings were pruning them and getting them ready for a moment that he wasn't going to be with them any longer. And that's a lot sooner than they thought. Jesus was about to leave them real soon. And I love that attached to Christ's charge, right? His charge is to abide in me. It comes with a promise. Abide in me and I will abide in you. 
The vine's not just saying, connect to me. Just connect. I want as many branches as I want. Connect to me. No, he says, abide in me. Because the vine promises to abide in its branches. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Church, he promises to remain in us if we remain in him. He says that we can depend on him, that we don't need to second guess our decision, that we can take him at his word. And just like a vine pumps life into its branches, that's what Christ does for those who are connected to him. And what else? He brings fruitfulness. The desire of the vine and the of the vine and vine dresser is fruitfulness for its branches. And the vine dresser loves loves the branches and he loves his vineyard and he loves his vine so much that he's going to take care of it the best that he can and he's going to take off those pieces that aren't bearing fruit and he's going to prune those so that they would become even more fruitful. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember, Jesus calls himself the true vine. He's not just one of the vines out there that you can attach yourself to for benefits. Right? He is the true and only vine. And outside of him, outside of this vine, we can do absolutely nothing. If we are not connected to Christ then it's impossible for us to be fruitful. So church, my question for us today is what vine are we attaching ourselves to? Are we fully reliant and connected to Jesus or do we look to other vines to satisfy our needs? Do we look to other vines for for energy, for support, sustenance, peace? Another way to ask this question is, who or what are you dependent on? Who or what are you dependent on? You know, at Vision Night and uh, last week, Sam was talking about our spiritual growth plan. And you may have heard that at Vision Night or last week. And it's something that the staff created where we want to help our congregation, the church body, we want to help us grow in our faith. I don't know about you, but I need some help even just knowing, like, how do, how do I get there? And we went through these seven different values in our sermon series, not to be like, all right, here's the seven values, now get better at all of them, because that is super unattainable, right? Uh, but we're saying, hey, everybody pick one discipleship value. Pick one thing that you're going to focus on this year, and, like, and that's the, the small growth that we'll do, because here's the thing, when you tap— like seven years from now, if we prioritize one of those values every single year, we'll get to the end of seven years and, man, we'll be, we'll be different people because we are growing. And this year, uh, my, the, the value that I chose for the spiritual growth plan happens to be depend on God in prayer. I've been praying about it, and I was like, Lord, what do you want to highlight in my life this year? What are the things that I need to, make, that you need to prune, God? What, what are those things? And he was like, you need to depend on me a little bit more. And, uh, you know, a few months ago, my wife, unf- my wife and I found out that we are going to be first-time parents. Okay? Yes. For me, first time, it's exciting and it's scary as ever, too. 
as scary as ever. I have gone, ever since we found out that we're going to have a a kid, you know, I've been doing all the research, and I'm like, okay, I need to buy, I need to buy all the right equipment for the baby. I need to read all the right books for the baby, because I I don't want to, I don't want to screw up. I need to know everything. I'm going to meet with all the right people who are further down the line than I am, just so I can learn from the the fathers in this house, okay, and and just ask them questions. I got to get my finances in order. Oh my gosh, babies are expensive. I thought I had more time. Oh my goodness. So I have been stressed, to say the least. I have been stressed. And the thing is, is that my first reaction was not to run to the source, was not to run to the vine, to depend on him first, but to depend on those other things. And God highlighted that. He was like, yeah, what's your first reaction when things when things catch you by surprise? What's your first reaction when things go wrong? What's even your first reaction when things go good in your life? Do you stop to thank me or do you just pretend like, you know, just get wrapped up in the moment, right? And I was like, man, Lord. And he really highlighted, he's like, Daniel, I want you to learn to depend on me in prayer more. And that's how God has been stretching me. And this is going to be a year-long process. Actually, it's going to be a lifetime process. Because even after this year, it's not like, all right, you got a gold star, you got an A in this class, and you're good for the rest of your life. No, this is a lifetime thing where we are growing and we're learning. But this year, I'm like, Lord, help me to depend on you in prayer. So I've had to ask myself these questions. Daniel, who are you dependent on? Who do you run to? So ask the question again, who do you depend on? Who are you dependent on? Are you dependent on the true vine or the false vines that the world has to offer? Because what the world offers is tempting. It is, but it's empty and it's unfruitful. The world promises to give you life and better yet, no pruning involved. You can just be yourself. You don't need to grow. You just be yourself. You just come and that's it. And you know what? If you, if you get hurt or if you don't like that vine, just like pluck yourself off and go to the next vine and yeah, whatever makes you happy, do that. Man, but that's not, that's not beneficial, friends. It's not. The promise that the world has to offer is empty and Jesus pushes this even more forward. He says it's empty, but it also leads to death. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you're a parent, do you remember the first time you sent your kids off to like an overnight camp or college or even a sleepover? Any parents that remember that, that time? Yeah, okay, a few of you. What do you feel the need to do as a parent? Right In those moments where your kids are no longer under your umbrella, they're no longer like in your house, like you're not going to be watching them 24-7, right? I would imagine that you would feel the need to just like give a few reminders, right? Like, like when you send your kid off to, to camp, be like, all right, Billy, we talked about this. Make sure you brush your teeth in the morning and at night, okay? Shower every day. I don't care if you feel good, shower every day. Uh, you know what, uh, Susan... When you're driving to college, okay, once you hit half a, half a tank of gas, make sure you stop to gas up on 95. Don't think that you can get there because once that empty tank hits and you're looking for a gas station, let me tell you, I don't want to drive seven hours to come find you, right? 
So you kind of give these like warnings to your kids of like, remember what I told you, okay? Remember, keep, the, keep this in mind. So as Jesus delivers some of his last words to his disciples, he charges them, abide in me. And he loves them enough to tell them what would happen if they did not. And he loves us enough to tell us what would happen if we don't abide in him. Jesus says, if you are not connected to him, you actually aren't connected to anything at all. And the end result is being cut off like a branch, thrown away, and you will wither, and you will be thrown into the fire and burned. See, the life that Jesus promises is not only on this earth, but it's eternal life. The life that we're talking about this morning surpasses not just this temporary time we have on this earth, but for eternity. The fruitless branches are separated from the vineyard and face destruction. Jesus is talking about eternal separation from him and his kingdom. This is a matter of life or death. This isn't, stick with me and I'm going to make you a good person. No, this is abide in me and I will give you life and I will save you from an eternity of suffering and separation from me. What we learn in this passage, friends, the main idea is that the life of the branch depends on its connection to the vine. The life of the branch depends on its connection to the vine. So do you depend on Christ? Have the life and teachings of his word permeated your heart and the areas of your life? Do you come here on on Sundays to be fed and then leave being like, yes, this needs to change in my life. Lord, help me change. Or, Or have we just checked the box and like, all right, I did my thing and that's good. Good start to the week and I'm gonna keep on going my merry way. Discipleship is not just a matter of acknowledging who Jesus is. It is having Jesus spiritually connected to your inner lives, to our inner lives. The warning is abide in him or face the reality of hell, destruction, and eternity separated from the life source. Abide, friends. Depend on him. He is life, life eternal. That's what the vine represents. It's salvation for you and me. And we've been talking a lot about this life, right? Life on earth is so much more than just survival, which is, which is what Jesus moves on to talk about. He's like, I'm concerned for your life, but also life is much more than surviving, but it's thriving. He wants us to be fruitful And in these last few verses, we see what it looks like to be fruitful and remain in Christ. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Right, so if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Let's let's take a moment and stop there for, for a moment. What Jesus is saying here is, You can't abide in Christ and not abide in his word. You can't say like, yeah, Jesus, I'm abiding in you, but I want to have nothing to do with your word or your teachings. That's not abiding. And the same, you can't abide in his word and not abide in him. Right? We believe that God's word spiritually forms us, that it's living, that it's breathing, that there's life in there. 
So he's saying the same thing. If you, he's saying the same thing just two times. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. This is a call back to verse 3 about the cleansing word. And abiding in Christ means abiding in his word, being transformed by his teachings. And he says, right, if you abide, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So we could look at this and be like, oh my gosh, anything? Like, God, can I pray and ask for a million dollars? Can I pray and ask for, for a penthouse in Manhattan? Is that what you mean, Lord? Ask whatever you wish. All right, I'm going to abide. I'll be your biggest abider, Lord. I had a professor who used to say this in college. Jesus is not your sugar daddy in the sky. What Jesus is getting at here is that the more you grow in the knowledge of his word, you will pray prayers that reflect his will. They're not going to be me-centered prayers. They're not going to be selfish gain prayers, but they're going to be aligned with his will. And it takes knowing God to pray. And it takes knowing God's word to pray effectively. So for example, let's look at Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 7. This is a great passage that teaches us how to pray. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right, so when you know God's word, when you know this, for example, and you're going through a stressful situation, I'll use myself as an example. Let's say I'm getting, I'm getting real stressed about, all the, all the bills that are going to be coming my way once this baby comes, okay? And I can be stressed and I can be like, oh my gosh, I need to get 10 side, side jobs in order to, to, to maintain everything. Oh my gosh. Or I can be like, you know what, Lord? Your word says, don't be anxious about anything. So God, help me in this moment not to be anxious. Lord, your word also says to bring my, my request to you. So I'm going to come and I'm going to, God, you hear me right now. You're, you're with me and I'm making my request known. And your word also tells me to come with thanksgiving. So God, I look back on all the times that you've been faithful to me and my wife, Lord Jesus, how you have proven yourself to be provider and, and just faithful over and over again. So God, I remind myself in that. And Lord Jesus, I also thank you because your word says the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard my heart. So, Lord Jesus, guard my heart. Bring your peace, Lord Jesus. Help me to sense your peace in a, in a way that, that I just need right now. Right? That is, that is a prayer that is aligning with God's word. You're taking scripture and, and you're praying through it. But it take, you need to know God's word in order to pray according to his will. And here's the thing. When you do that, when you do that and you start to see that your prayers are becoming more like Christ-centered and aligning with his word, that shows, that's proof that there's fruit that is growing in you. Jesus is saying this is, this is showing that you are fruitful when you pray that way. Because verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so proof to be my disciples. And when you're fruitful, guess what? God gets the glory. And you are proving to be my disciples. God is glorified through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Right? We celebrate his death and resurrection. Because of that, we now get to be in relationship with him. We get to be a part of his family, his kingdom. 
right? And as we are going and being his witnesses, and, and those who were once lost come into the fold, and then they start bearing fruit, like Jesus gets the glory, and then God gets the glory because he's the vine dresser. He's making sure the vine is healthy and it's good. And Jesus is doing his part by pumping life to the branches so that the branches are fruitful. God gets the glory. As we abide in Christ, we produce fruit. And ultimately, that fruit points people to Jesus and brings glory to God. You see, fruitfulness is not simply a benefit to us in our lives. But our growth, our fruitfulness, glorifies God. Fruit is a byproduct of a healthy vine. We don't work to gain fruit in order to be connected to Jesus. Right? This isn't, this isn't, all right, guys, now let's go out. Let's get better in order so that Jesus abides in us. No, this is, we are abiding him. God, Jesus is, his life is pumping. His life is, is flowing in us. And the byproduct of our lives being connected to him is that fruit naturally comes. Fruit naturally comes out. I think of 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Right? We're all growing. And I don't want you to look, don't look to the person next to you and be like, oh man, they're the ideal Christian. And if I were just to be like them, then I, I know that I'm fruitful Christian. No, what's God doing in your life now? Celebrate the, the growth that's happening. Make sure that you, make sure that you, you yourselves see the, the fruit that is growing in your lives. Because you're going to see it. Galatians 5.22 show, talks about the fruit that we will see in our lives as we connect to Jesus. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We will naturally see those things produce when we are abiding in the vine because the life of the branch depends on its connection to the vine. As followers of Jesus, we should be distinguished by our fruit. When people notice patience and goodness in you, it's not like, well, you know, I've been doing this 10-step plan to become a better person. No, but when people see patience and goodness flowing out of you, you can direct that to, yeah, that's because I'm becoming more like him. Because God's patient, God is loving, God is good. I am not, in, in myself, I am not any of those things. This is Jesus at work in my life. This is evidence that God is doing something in my life. So what fruit do you see being produced in your life? Take note of those things. Is there evidence of fruit in, in your life? And if you have a hard time a- answering that question, man, ask, ask your spouse. Ask your siblings, ask your, your friends, those close around you. You can say, hey, is there, what do you see in my life? And if not, ask God, make it a matter of prayer. What needs to change in my life, Lord? Are we submitting to God's pruning in our lives? He loves us and he will prune us so that we will become more fruitful. And that's why at East Point Church, we are cultivating for growth this year. That's why we're, we're taking two whole months out of the year to say, to talk about our seven behavioral values, to say, church, we want to see you grow, not just for growth's sake, but so that you glorify your Father in heaven. 
We want to see you grow as a follower of Jesus. And the Father is inviting you to depend on him. Depend on him. We are not enough on our own. We are not. We can't go through this life being Mr. or Mrs. Independent. God knows we need someone to attach ourselves to. And that's why he gave us his son, Jesus. That's why. Following Jesus is an invitation to to enter a relationship where we are loved and transformed by the Father and the Son. Let's read these last few verses together. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I think it's so cool just to see Jesus isn't saying, here's what Jesus is not saying. Abide in me. And I, again, I just, want, I just want you to be connected to me. You know, he's saying, he said, follow my example. Abide in me just like I'm abiding in my Father. Follow my commands the same way that I'm following my Father's commands, right? He loves us the same way that, that God the Father loves the Son. Jesus is loved by his Father, and those who abide in Jesus are loved. And the joy that's found in Christ is found in those who abide in him. That's what Christ promises. You will naturally see those things. Know that you who are connected, you are loved. And know that there is joy for you. There is uncontainable joy for those who follow Jesus. He says, I've spoken these things to you, that my joy may be in you. He's sharing these words with his disciples because he's like, I want you to be joyful. You're going to go through things, yeah, you are. But if you stick with me, if you abide in me, your life is going to be overflowing with joy. And that's more fruit that is being shown. I'm going to conclude with this, church. God creates a new, what we've seen in this passage is that God creates a new covenant through Jesus Christ. No longer is this covenant dependent on people, but on Jesus Christ himself. Jesus gives an open invitation to abide in him, and he promises that he promises those that abide that he will abide in us too. His life, his teachings, and his ways will permeate us. And what will we see from that? Fruit. The fruit of the Spirit will be at work in your lives. We will know God's word and pray prayers that align with God's word. We will operate out of love that we have received from Jesus and our lives will be marked by joy. Friends, do you want this life? Abide. Let's depend on him. He is trustworthy. He is good. Depend on him and experience life. Depending on God is more than just taking, talking to him five minutes a day. It's being mindful of him in every part of our day. Right, we're being mindful that, that God is with us in the, in the good things. And he's also with us in the, in the sufferings that happen in life. Let us be mind. That's one of my goals this year, is to be mindful that God is with me every part of, part of the day. I don't check him at the door when I walk into work or when I walk into my house. No, he's with me there. He's with me when I'm crying. He's with me when I'm, when I'm rejoicing and laughing with friends. He is there, friends. Depending on God, abiding in Him.
because the life of the branch depends on its connection to the vine. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeason.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.